Welcome to Bike Shorts, our very brief look at hot new things happening in the world of cycling. I'm Matthew Allen and I'm here with Tom Marvin, Bike Radar Technical Editor. So, this week we're talking about the fact that Shimano has filed a patent for a bicycle gearbox. Tom, why is that interesting? Gearboxes themselves are quite interesting because they are entirely different to how a normal road or mountain bike drivetrain works. So a normal drivetrain has a derailleur which pushes the chain across a cassette hanging down by your rear wheel exposed to the elements, whereas a gearbox has a system for changing gears enclosed within a box which keeps it out of the elements, which in theory makes them reliable. Um, because they're not getting covered in crap, and also means you don't have a little derailleur hanging out by your back wheel where it's quite vulnerable. So that means you can smash through rock gardens and you're not going to rip any bits off your bike. That's the idea. Yeah, there's, well, there's actually, you know, if we're looking at mountain bikes, there's a number of um, really good reasons for having a gearbox. First of all, you don't have as much weight hanging off your rear wheel, so the sprung-to-unsprung mass ratio changes in the benefit of the bike's suspension handling. You can smash through tighter gaps um, because there's nothing dangling by the back wheel. Theoretically, then, you could build a narrower back end as well um, because you don't have so much real estate taken up by the by the gears. So you could have like a stiffer rear wheel, for instance, maybe? Stiffer rear wheel, better triangulation of the spokes, and ultimately a narrower back end, which fits through better gaps. Um, and yeah, less exposure to mud and twigs and all that sort of stuff. Is there a disadvantage to having a gearbox on your bike? Yes. So the traditional disadvantages of having a gearbox, whether it's a rear hub-mounted one, such as a Rollhuff, or something like the Pinion, which is mounted around the bottom bracket, twofold. One, they are heavier. Um, You're adding between two and 700 grams at least to your bike weight. The other thing is cost. Um, They are quite expensive, tend to be, although they are reliable, so over the lifetime of a product, arguably they can be cheaper. Uh, And the other issue is um, their efficiency. So... Generally speaking, they feel kind of treacly compared to a regular derailleur setup. Why is that? Is it something specific about the way gears are within a box? Or, like, why? I mean, intuitively, a chain and a cassette and stuff, there's going to be plenty of losses in that. Why is a gearbox worse? Generally speaking, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a physicist. You'd probably need Seb Stop to talk you through that. But generally, the problem is interlocking teeth, which is how a planetary gear system works, means there is more inherent friction than a chain which is comprised of teeth and rollers, which roll on and off each other, as opposed to yeah. teeth which have to frictionally mesh into each other. Right. So, Shimano has filed this patent. What does their design for a gearbox look like? Okay, so their design is different. And this is based upon some patent drawings that um, our colleague Jack Luke found um, on, I guess, Google's patent search. Um, And so this is his interpretation of how we believe it could work. This is not based uh, on Shimano telling us this. This is what we think. We think that basically there are two seven-speed cassettes mounted within a box with a chain that links them, okay? Yeah. Now, the lower of those two cassettes can move side to side um, on a ball screw. There is a shifting mechanism. You might need to explain what a ball screw is for the uninitiated. I might need to do that if I... uh, Well, it basically means that the cassette moves horizontally um, along a spindle. 
Yeah, and that's an advantage because it maintains a perfect chain line. Well, so. yes. Yeah, so the the advantage of this system is that you effectively, instead of teeth intermeshing, you have a train a chain connecting those two cassettes, one of which moves side to side. Yeah. Both of which have seven sprockets. Now, the Shimano is saying that this is a thirteen speed drivetrain, and six of the of those seven sprockets on that movable cassette internally can work on two different sprockets of the non-moving so, seven so in total it's 13 useful ratios is what they're saying 13 useful ratios inside there is kind of a derailleur like as they call it um, mechanism to shift um, the chain across the cassette as well as this screw uh, as well as this ball screw that moves the cassette itself so what they are saying is that it's 13 speed with a 470% range across yeah. those 13 gears, which is slightly less than the latest 12-speed uh, drivetrains from both SRAM and Shimano, which offer a 500 or 510% range, but respectively. But we're not talking about a huge difference. It is definitely comparable to those. Effectively, it's comparable to those, yeah. Um, so that sounds pretty smart. Now, this shifting mechanism um, that they have in there, they say that it is... Uh, that, that moves this ball screw, and the shifting mechanism is in an electronic system. Similar, we guess, to the Alphine DI2 rear hub gear that Shimano have had for a number of years now. So yeah. the, the Alphine uh, is a 8-speed, or is it 12-speed? Or, or they did both, I think. It was an 11 I feel like we should know that. Pretty sure it's 11, the more expensive it, one. It, it wasn't something yeah. that ever popped up on high-end road yeah. or mountain bikes. So I apologise for our lack of knowledge on the exact number but of that, I mean, that's a good comparison, the Alphine, because mm. very successful on commuter bikes, I believe. Yeah. But big, heavy hub at the back at of your back. bike, which isn't necessarily something you want. This Shimano design... Sits in the centre around where yeah. the cranks are. And I think Jack thought that it was even possible, though this wasn't totally clear, that it might occupy the exact same space as the Shimano Steps e-bike system it's, it's certainly configured in a very similar way yeah. in terms of overall shape and it means obviously a dedicated frame yeah it would need a dedicated frame it looks though you know if, if you have the, the the patterns for you know your steps motor you therefore have the patterns potentially for yeah. this this drivetrain as well um, and also it looks like it's removable which would mean much easier for servicing yeah. as opposed to being integrated into a full frame which is no bad thing um so yeah going back to the DI2 point, the electric shifter, what they have said, however, is that it also uses a mechanical gear cable. Um, but maybe this opens up the possibility to a wireless drivetrain. We, do. we don't really yeah. know. The other interesting thing um, about this patent um, that Jack picked up on um, was actually a large part of it. Not not only talked about the way that the gears change and, and these two you know cassettes, one of which moves the 13-speed, etc., was that there was a lot of information in the patent about lubrication. So, as we said, one of the big problems with gear, with drivetrains, well, with gearboxes, is that the intermeshing gears aren't very efficient. Now, the two cassettes with a chain joining them within a box is inherently going to be, hopefully, more efficient. It's potentially like as efficient as any chain drivetrain, but more so because of that constant chain, chain line. line. On top of this, obviously a gearbox can be fully immersed in oil, or at least partially immersed in oil, like it is on a car. Yeah. Shimano have worked on a system of having either holes or texture put into the chain and these little sprockets. Uh, and the theory is that these little dimples um, hold the lubricant so it's even, you know, so that the, the lubrication of the system is even more constant. 
you can't do that on an external system because those holes holes would just hold mud um, yeah. and would cause excess and you'd wear. Have, you have constant loss of lubricant on an open system, whereas here, as you say, it's it's bathed in lubricant. Yeah. And presumably that means it could have a really, really long service life. You might have to change the oil from time to time, but you wouldn't necessarily be replacing parts particularly frequently. Precisely, yeah. So I, I think it's actually really interesting. So you, you have a system that inherently should be more efficient, that is constantly lubricated because it's in, effectively in an oil yeah. bath, and the surfaces of those components are designed to hold on to the oil to make sure that that lubricant is in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the basics from what we can tell behind it. Obviously, we've got a far more detailed story on Bike Radar, which Jack did, and, you know, it's a good read, but it is really interesting. Yeah, you should absolutely go and read the full story. Um, Jack deserves a lot of credit because mm. reading through patents, it's pretty hard going. They're not written in normal language because they they write them in such a way that they can kind of cover all the bases and they want to protect the ideas behind it and be quite general but within that generality is some like genuinely new and interesting stuff. Yeah, they, they, they have to have that detail that gives them like, you know, we have come up with this idea, but it has to be vague enough that if someone comes up with a very similar idea, yeah. it's not, you know, they, they've got to protect themselves. So, yeah, the, the legal patent stuff is... It's sort of like when we run a story and then a competitor runs the same story but doesn't really directly credit us and kind of gets the images from a different place but doesn't... Doesn't yeah. exactly do it originally, but doesn't actually infringe on our copyright. Exactly that. <laughs> Not that that, Not ever, that happens. ever happens when we no. put a lot of work into a story. <laughs> um, Moving on. Yeah. Why, why do you think this is? Um, we haven't got long left because this is about redder shorts. But why do you think this is significant that Shimano are doing this? Well, Shimano is hugely influential. So, the fact that they are filing a patent for this means that they've obviously invested real. R&D money into it, mm -hmm. and where Shimano goes, the industry quite often follows. Now, on the one hand, Shimano does do crazy stuff sometimes. This is the company that brought us airlines, which was pneumatic shifting for downhill bikes, and they've done some other pretty odd things like rapid rise rear derailleurs. Um, oh, there's brake levers that on yeah. the mountain bike. What were they, the, the dual, dual controls? Dual control, yeah. yeah they, they, Terrible. People didn't love those, put it that way. Um but on the other hand, Shimano is tremendously influential with some of these things. And if they create something that manufacturers are happy to work with, mm -hmm. then this could potentially be rolled out on all sorts of bikes. I mean, we've been talking about mountain bikes quite a lot. Mm -hmm. But they, they talk about road bikes yeah, as well. they haven't narrowed it down to just mountain bikes. They're leaving the door open for potentially any sort of bike yeah. here. Um, we don't know anything on, on the weight, so maybe you know, I doubt we'll see it in a Tour de France, but um, their patent includes both flat bar shifters and shifters that are integrated into the brake lever, which effectively sounds like a, you know, a regular drop bar STI yeah. type shifter thing. And on that weight question, our assumption is that it would be lighter than existing gearbox systems on the market. Because there are, yeah, there are. There's at least there's one. There's a few, yeah. There's Pinion FE yeah. gear. Um, there's a new Vinci CVT. Ah, the other thing they, that I forgot to mention, very quickly, they also talk about the possibility of having this as a CVT, a continuously variable transmission, i.e., one that doesn't have individual steps between gears, but is a between a, a low and a high gear. Yeah. So it could hypothetically use a system of, of belts or something yeah, as like opposed the new to chain and sprockets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which would be very interesting, especially, I feel, from a commuter 
point of view where actually I found that, uh, that CBT, the one that I tried last year, actually worked pretty well. Yeah, I've ridden a new venture and I did really, really like it. It's weird at first mm. because you're so used to clicking through gears, but really quite effective. Yeah. Right. Well, we're very interested to see where this goes. I'm Matthew Allen. That was Tom Marvin. Thank you for listening to Bike Shorts. Please like, subscribe on whatever platform you're on. Make sure you get all of our podcasts. We do much longer ones than this as well. But thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. And I'll just do one more mini plug. I do apologise. Um, myself and Seb Stott did a mountain bike tech talk on why derailleurs still exist. So if you are interested in drivetrains, maybe from a more mountain bike point of view, where we do touch upon gearboxes and their problems, have a listen to that.